Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. My name is Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. If you are interested in doing one-on-one online Ayurvedic consultation with me, please find the details in the show notes of this podcast or do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com In this episode, we have Uday Shreyas sharing his unique journey on how his love for teaching and fascination with languages intersected to help him find his life's path. Learning Sanskrit changed the way he looked at the world. What started as a hobby initiated him towards his higher purpose and now he helps others gain access to the wealth of ancient wisdom that was once limited to old manuscripts. Let us hear more about the power of words, mantras and Sanskrit from Uday himself. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and now we go over to Uday Shreyas. Hello Uday, finally thank you I managed to get you on my podcast. you know i have uh, every sunday i listen to your aditya hridayam youtube oh, one and so i think i uh, you know uh, it is something it is a mantra that is very close to my heart and mm-hmm. also your gayatri mantra video i always go back to my reference because gayatri mantra is one mantra which is very difficult to understand what each word means even though you yeah. know the meaning of the whole mantra but right. going to each and every word what it means because it has right. its own sequence correct so you are someone that i listen to very often many of Thank the mornings and finally i have you in my podcast it's a fantastic honor my pleasure. my pleasure my pleasure totally thank you so much for getting in touch I, in fact as i told you i knew about uh, you know uh, your retreat uh, and many of my friends have actually <laughs> suggested that you know there is this beautiful place that you should definitely visit in kerala and i have been just you know i've seen your videos on youtube mm-hmm. and it, when you messaged me that then i i shared that screenshot guys look this is the guy this is the person you suggested his message it's wonderful <laughs> hearing from you and thank you so much for inviting my pleasure have being on your podcast thank you uday so uday what was your starting mohan with this sanskrit channel i mean the way you explain sanskrit is so easily entertaining i mean i say that learning should always be an entertainment and that is one thing i see that is common with your videos so what was your waking up call to start teaching about sanskrit i mean you are an engineer with your background and what yeah. got you into teaching sanskrit and also with how telling people how to chant mantras which i'll be going mm-hmm. in detail but sure. i would love to you know have the listeners yeah. uh, hear your story on this okay um so uh, the the two aspects to this are there is teaching and there is sanskrit and i i i used i love uh being able to explain something being able to teach because uh, if as a teacher any any teachers listening to this podcast might identify with this uh, that if there, in, there is immense joy in in learning something new in exploring and exploration is is innate for every human being and when somebody knows something new and and explores that concept new and understands it there is a joy there is a tangible joy you can see in the students faces and that 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 something i got hooked to very early on uh, so It's and i like I, a myself, dopamine relief <laughs> I, i don't know how it works but there is this 
the joy, the student yes, spaces, exactly. you have that spark uh, that they have understood something new that they've never understood before at a very intuitive level. Uh, so even I, uh, I try to understand whatever I approach in a very intuitive sense. And, and unless I understand something that I, from the very basics of it, uh, like the very core of how it works, I can't really wrap my head around these abstract concepts very easily. Uh, that that is a strength at one level, uh, a weakness at another. But I I try to get to the root of everything. I, I unless I un- grab grab any any subject at the very foundations of it, uh, I can't uh, you know get the whole picture. I don't I don't feel comfortable uh, with that subject. So I used to approach everything like that, like uh, physics, which is which was my favorite subject in school growing up, and engineering. I I just <laughs> passed through engineering just struggling uh, I, I did engineering just because you know because of economic reasons that I, I need to get into a job a well-paying job and get settled in life with a with a salary uh, and get financial security but uh, so in, in engineering that I was not very uh, keen on studies as such mm-hmm. but I, I graduated from a college called Bits Pilani in India so we reputed college it's, it's quite yeah, it is one of the premier institutes uh, exactly. but one good thing is we don't have compulsory attendance <laughs> <laughs> so you don't attend any of the classes and there are a lot of electives so there are and and this college has humanities and the diverse set of courses so i just took up technical writing or theater and whenever i could i just picked all all odd subjects and uh, so keeping that aside, I had a knack for uh, languages since mm-hmm. childhood, not specifically Sanskrit, but uh, I we used to get transferred every three years. Mm-hmm. My dad being in a bank job, we used to get transferred around. So wherever I went, I found these uh, nuances of language very fascinating. So different words in different languages mean the same thing. How how the same concept, same thing, same same word. Can mean different things in different languages mm-hmm. sometimes something is uh, the sound of something that is conveyed is the same irrespective of which language you speak that in. Mm-hmm. so all these nuances of language i i found it very fascinating so i i developed that knack for languages and uh, during my job when i was i was in uh, after my college i did get into campus placements and then job and that is when i started looking for hobbies to, to just you know entertain myself and keep myself uh, interested in in, uh, in some person. That's how you found I, your dharma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it took a lot of time to realize that that is what was happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, looking back, I, I can see that that path clearer. That this is what these set of decisions and these set of circumstances uh, were what led me to where I am. But when I was doing it, I had absolutely no clue. I was just <laughs> picking things up uh, randomly as, mm-hmm, I, as, mm-hmm. as I could see them back then, just for, uh, just for the fun of it. And um, yeah, so I picked up Sanskrit as a hobby because I, I was looking for all, all sorts of hobbies. And one of my colleagues who was, uh, who was looking at, at the odd hobbies and skills that I was picking up on, he said I, he wanted to learn Sanskrit. And he had these uh, set of books, the Bhagavad Gita set of books, which were published by Sanskrit Bharati. He said, why don't we sit together and, and try and learn it? And I was like, yeah, totally, why not? And as you said, uh, you know, before we started the podcast, that there is this perception that Sanskrit is a dead language. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was fascinated. Okay, there is there are resources and there are texts that are available to approach it. So why not? 
and uh, unwittingly that that, uh, that was my foray into uh, learning sanskrit and uh, bhagavad gita being what it is uh, you know kind of initiated me on a path that i did not <laughs> i i did not uh, uh, intentionally want to get into step into yeah but yes that that is how my introduction to sanskrit started and uh, having this knack for for languages and sounds and nuances of, of expression and uh, at the same time having this uh, passion for teaching and and uh, getting a kick out of, of just learning stuff at an intuitive level all that somehow tied very well with uh, with sanskrit especially because the language itself is very intuitive mm-hmm. once you know any indian language you you see that a lot of vocabulary is borrowed from sanskrit and there is a reason why it is borrowed from sanskrit and uh, so that is how it started and the, the study of bhagavad gita and sanskrit slowly led me towards yoga sutras and then the practice of yoga itself and then uh, it, it led me to take some life decisions i, I quit my job and, and a lot of things happened in, in, in span of over a decade uh, i just realized you have actually made a huge uh, playlist of patanjali yoga sutras yeah. uh, everything mm-hmm. Uh, wow the volume of work that you have put up right. in sanskrit channel is just enormous i and think you have just started scratching the surface i could see that exactly <laughs> exactly so each of these uh, sutra i mean i just try to as i said before try to express what i have learned and what has been of value and what i have understood in my limited capacity but that it's a, that possibility itself is so so wide there, mm. there are such wide range of topics and that is one of the reasons why i took up took it up online rather than conducting workshops offline which i was uh, doing before because if i do it offline mm-hmm. if i conduct a new batch i'll have to repeat myself I exactly exactly yes. that's the beauty but of technology it, on the other hand exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i do it online if i do it well enough once i can move on to newer topics of exploration mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. so that is one of the reasons i took it up online apart from you know a broader reach and better exactly. monetary sense and all that stuff and now i have in the scope of you know moving on to newer and newer topics topics of exploration because there are so many from and how are the interest are more people showing interest in learning about sanskrit and mantra chanting uh, mantra chanting coming to that specific part yes um, people know the benefit of it for sure mm-hmm. and as as you said uh, it's uh, the initially people i know they they start everything with a skeptical mind mm-hmm. and uh, i completely relate to that yes yeah and especially if it's something foreign and mm-hmm. it's something they have not uh, you know been exposed to as children and they don't have, start with a certain level of confidence in that subject that skepticism kind of turns to denial or, mm-hmm. or you know rubbish in something because they can't identify with or or uh, really understand that something that profound can actually exist or, or something that meta you know identifying that with with uh, uh, uh with knowledge that is uh not in terms with what you have uh learned so far and what has mm-hmm. been established as set knowledge system so far so people only know about body and mind so they know putting some pills or doing something with their mind can be of some benefit but uttering some something repeatedly it can bring about a physiological benefit that some sounds cuckoo 
to somebody who who is looking at it from an external perspective so oh, i'm so looking forward to enter that world enter that part <laughs> that i want you to know how words yeah. can actually change a person's emotions yeah. physiology the hormonal exactly. release yeah yeah so uh, so the mantra chanting right now it uh, you know as you the point of the initial question you, many people have started understanding its relevance with popular uh, popular media this the system of chakras and the energy mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. five layers of physical body uh, you know the five koshas as they call it uh, all of this has become uh, accepted knowledge now mm-hmm. there is a, a newer challenge that they are trying to adapt it and and bring it new terminology they are trying to call uh, pranayama cardiac coherent breathing oh yes 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 <laughs> i have i've heard about and that and they are trying to adapt stuff and and uh, and it's going to be remixed starting to yeah yeah they're starting to identify that there is some authenticity and benefit to all <laughs> these knowledge systems so yes as um, as a system of healing as a system of holistic well being chant chanting mantras and uh, doing t- breathing exercises mental focus these eight limbs of yoga the uh, you know how can something as simple as uh, cutting down on your food or changing changing your food habits or or you know uh, retracting your senses from sensory objects how can these bring about such large scale transformation in the body now slowly people are trying to understand it and especially uh, once it gets this a stamp of authentication from the western medicine then a larger set of audiences yeah, uh, yeah. gravitate towards it but as audiences on on whatever i have done so far for uh, but in our traditions these have been coming on for you know forever there is kala shruti at the end of every chant for aditya hridayam there is the benefit of you know health and uh, virility and you know vigor because it is something a chant associated with the sun you wake exactly. up early in the morning you go up and you look at the rising sun and then do this chant and the set of sounds there are conducive towards that so even in the kala shruti and the story that conveys it everything go, uh, revolves around how rama who was you know almost tired and could not uh, almost getting on the brink of defeat chants this faces the sunday to gathers energy from him and then emerges victorious so and the same goes for kanaka dhara stotram which is for prosperity for lalita sahasranam which is for uh, prosperity and you know spiritual upliftment so all of these uh, chants from each deity having their own specific phala uh, or attainment so saraswati devi for for education hayagriva and saraswati devi of course so these have been uh, traditionally known and and kind of accepted in our culture and not really questioned as much but uh, it definitely helps to go deeper into understanding why that kind of benefits come about uh, it, it's definitely uh, good to have a skeptical mind about it that you you know you you uh, you really are curious mm-hmm. as to how something happens but uh, yeah that curiosity is definitely on the rise people are more open to these uh, uh, possibilities and are exploring them uh, but eventually there there, there is this uh, set uh, education pattern that you you look for a, a proof of authentication from uh, this a laboratory inquiry yeah <laughs> exactly yeah, but somebody, those those thinking is mostly coming from the colonial hangover that we are going yeah. to because yeah the spirit of scientific inquiry 
that science is somehow the baseline of science is described is set laid down mm-hmm. by the west exactly somehow. so it's, it's only if something as you said right if it's elaborately generated it exactly. and, uh, it's like a blueprint that works for the same for everybody it repeats irrespective of all the factors that can influence it unless that can happen they don't consider it as science but mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a different topic so uday can you you know i love that uh, the wisdom that you share about the scientificness of uh, sanskrit could you share some key points of that what is so scientific about sanskrit you know when people think what is so scientific it's an ancient language but nobody is talking about it uh, and of course the phonetical perfection of sanskrit is so beautiful but mm-hmm. i want to hear from you what is according to you the most beautiful scientific aspects that you see in sanskrit okay uh, i have uh, so there are many uh, the the best way i can express it the best way i can put it for uh, forth is is like this uh, this is not something that i am saying I've, i've read it and this resonates with me a language is generally a tool of expression mm. that some, you want to express something express an idea express a thought express something that has happened uh, then you use language so language is a Uh, tool for expression but there are all human faculties can be categorized into two groups there is input and there is output output being expression and input being experience mm-hmm. so language generally every other language that we speak about language as a tool has come about in order to express to to uh, take care of the need to express but sanskrit is a language of exp- is exp- of course there is a possibility to express but sanskrit is a knowledge of experience mm-hmm. what i mean by that is uh the sounds of of sanskrit the mantras that that uh, have been explored and, and expressed in sanskrit are realizations of sages so the experience of sound as it occurs in creation around us led to the creation of sanskrit alphabet Mm-hmm. so this is this can be seen and demonstrate demonstrably seen again and again in different aspects of sanskrit that uh, you know a- every single word that you look at which is associated with different objects around us have that basis that the, the sounds used to denote that object object and the property of the object being a uh, uh, property of that object inherent in it and the sound used to uh, to denote it are not two different things these two are called as vak which is sound mm-hmm. and artha which is the essence of the meaning so vak and artha are not two different things they are intertwined and they are inherent within each other the meaning is contained within the sound so if uh, i i give this example again and again so surya which which is the sun and urja which is energy, energy. so that ur sound and and this and uh, this goes on this is this entire subject of study called as nirukta which roughly translates as etymology of, of words as to how deep the etymology of those sounds go and uh, the the root sounds that denote that hold this meaning are called as dhatus the the sound of dha itself being that which holds so dharti dharana 
uh, supports Dhara, that which supports, supports that which like we have datus in, uh, in exactly, ayurveda in, in ayurveda as well mm-hmm. so the same concept right something that holds within it is dhatu so and these and the sound itself dha uh, has the innate meaning of holding something mm-hmm. so and this uh, refrain can be seen in every every word of sanskrit that we look at this is looking at just the meanings of it but of course internally there is an entire another layer of of uh, you know uh, relevance or there is there is an, another layer of exploration of sanskrit being a language of experience and and being something that impact that impacts human uh, system in a much deeper way uh, when we look, go into the system of uh, energy center or the chakras and each of those chakras having a specific set of sounds mm-hmm. which form the sanskrit alphabet so from muladhara to sahasrara there is a specific each of them having a specific set of petals as their sound also yes poet, as they are poetically expressed these lotuses and their petals but they have these specific set of sounds so muladhara has four such sounds associated with it swadishtana has six so manipuraka has 10 anahata has 12 so these have been expressed in so many different ways in so many different texts as to what are the sounds associated with them and how they correlate to the sanskrit alphabet what are the sadhana what is the different kind of sadhana pertaining to each of those sounds what what and they are all expressed in terms of uh, uh, poetry and shlokas mm-hmm. and deities that correspond to each of those centers but there is of course an abstract layer of meaning and significance hidden behind all of them like the dashavatar as being the can be mm-hmm. correlated with a series of evolution all these deities also portray these abstract concepts abstract uh, concepts which are which correspond to those chakras mm-hmm. so how scientific is the sanskrit alphabet there are five to six at least sto- different stories that i know which uh, which portray each of those uh, levels of significance one with the human body one with the creation around us you know each of these uh, each of the letters of the alphabet also correspond to uh, the shakti sthala shakti peethas mm-hmm. so panchadasha shakti peethas across across the plan was bharat that have been created so these panchadasha shakti peethas correspond to each letter of the alphabet and going there worshiping that shakti shakti is energy one manifestation of sound at the end of the day so uh, that that sadhana there is supposed to give the siddhi corresponding to that particular sound which is uh, which is seen as an a manifestation of matrika mm-hmm. you might have heard this the sound being used to uh, to denote the alphabet mm-hmm. which is matra or matrika which literally means mother but aki matra eki matra these hindi speak speaking people or you know even other languages also have this so these alphabets are denoted with the name of matra which also means the sound or uh, which is the sound and also has the meaning of mother because they are a manifestation of goddess shakti who is the universal mother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and who is and and that energy that shakti or that sound is what makes us work from within that is what animates creation so shiva and shakti comes there so shiva is the consciousness that that the all pervading uh, you know consciousness and the and the, the cradle in which creation happens and the energy that is manifest as all material creation is shakti or energy 
and our sound, which is manifest as all these aspects of creation. So she is manifest as all these letters of the Sanskrit alphabet, which correspond again to the human system, which have physical locations that correspond across the land of Bharat. Mm-hmm. So these, these connections and correlations are, are vast and immense. And just the, in one of the videos, I, I, uh, I demonstrate how the letters of the Sanskrit alphabet are arranged in, in, in the way we study them in school, are arranged from the pit of the throat, moving outwards gradually. Mm-hmm. The five rows in which they are divided, the, the, the way we practice them in school as an exercise, without really understanding why the sequence has come up. If we look deeper into it, that sequence is exactly the sequence of uttering sounds and, and exploring different possibilities of uttering sounds in the vocal cavity. Mm-hmm. So the first row are all sounds which originate from the pit of the throat. Ka, ka, ga, ka, nga. So all of them originating from the pit of the throat. And the fifth row, and they move gradually outwards. And the fifth row being sounds that originate by uh, bringing the lips together. Pa, ka, ba, ba, ma. So from the pit of the throat, gradually moving outwards. Ka, cha, ta, ta, pa. All of you them can actually feel outwards. like a, uh, yeah. the whole thing going up from yeah. the bottom till the up. Exactly. And in my course called Vakshuddhi, there is another level of uh, there is another arrangement of these same sounds uh, where the story goes that all these sounds originated from Shiva's Damaru. Mm-hmm. There is one more story that all these sounds are the are, represent the skulls that Kalika wears mm-hmm. in her neck. There is another story that, uh, you know, that when uh, Shiva was carrying Sati Devi on his shoulders uh, after Dakshayagya, people who know the story can probably uh, you know, relate to this. Uh, when And when Vishnu uh, wanted to get Shiva out of that zone of grief. He uh, threw his Sudarshan chakra at uh, Sati Devi and scattered her, her body across, uh, which it split into 50 different locations. So, and uh, the, the, uh, why I came to this point was um, in one of those stories, which is that the sounds of the Sanskrit, sounds of the Sanskrit alphabet originated from Shiva's Damaru. In that arrangement, uh, which is called as the Maheshwara Sutras, uh, the set of sounds are arranged in such a, such a way that it becomes a mantra in itself. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes a pranayama. All the alpa prana or the sounds that are uttered with little breath and mahaprana sounds like ka, ka, tha, you know, dha, tha, all these sounds. The arrangement is in such a way that just uttering that specific sequence again and again works as a mantra on its own and there's a pranayama that is happening because of the the sound that is being it is like a giving a massage to your vocal cords in every yeah, part exactly and there are, you know there is physiological benefit that it clears up the utterance of sound mm-hmm. it, it improves your vocal capabilities there is a spiritual layer to them because all these sounds are what what animate you from within they are what what are empowering you to act the way they are and they correspond to different faculties of, of the human body mm-hmm entire path of yoga and these these systems of internal well-being uh, work at that level that you energize your system from within you you raise your system to another level of energy so that you can access all those all those capabilities which are termed as superpowers or you know extra human powers but which are well within the uh, within the human capability 
so that and this is what 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 can be more scientific than this exactly i think it's beyond what a laboratory can bring out as a evidence you know it's something beyond that yeah i mean there are many aspects of it which can definitely you know maybe we can devise tools to to understand the frequency understand of that them. yeah exactly exactly to to record some some phenomena happening either in the nervous system or in the physiologically which is happening within the body in terms of heat or in terms of you know uh, mm-hmm. mostly heat maybe uh, well whether we understand about that at least i can mm-hmm. tell you some people say uh i can't believe you said that word and they are upset and then their blood pressure can go up and it changes things we don't need a laboratory to say that how powerful the words can be mm. the same mm. with certain mantras and certain sounds that we pronounce and produce it definitely has an impact on our energy and our physiology and our emotions mm. as well mm. true and uh, and Uday, one of your videos that you show about uh, Om, you know, Omkara, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about how the energy of the three phonetical sounds of Om is. Can you share about that? There is an entire Upanishad that yes. talks about Om. <laughs> the, the, the Om itself. Uh, so, um, so the, the shape of Om, the different sounds that come together, the three primordial sounds that come together to form this omkara which is uh, known by the name of pranava pranava shabnada pranava shabda the first sound that that uh, that manifest mm-hmm. that came which which uh, from which everything else came forth came out yes which yeah which is which is known as the omkara or the pranava so what what can i tell about it <laughs> so the the three sounds are Uh, brahma vishnu and shiva as uh, that is one way of putting it so it's a combination of a u and m mm-hmm. uh, so a being the force of creator the the primordial source of creation and all these three sounds one of them is associated with the manipuraka chakra one with anahata and one with vishuddhi and uh, you know the source the that they also that the a corresponds to brahma who is the creator and that is associated with the manipuraka chakra which corresponds to the navel and even when you say that word a ah, you actually ah, see the vibration there exactly exactly so and that is the center of creation when mm-hmm. we were in our mothers wombs that is where the the, the first energy is, is umbilical yeah, cord started. came yes yeah that is our 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 source of creation um and in symbolically you know it said that brahma is born from vishnu's navel the, the lotus that is born out of vishnu's navel so this uh, the connections if we look at how all of these are interlinked with each other it's it's very obvious at one level and at the same time it is not very uh, very burdensome knowledge that you have to remember it's it's conveyed in terms of beautiful stories and uh, coming to u which is the uh, which corresponds to this maintenance center which corresponds to vishnu as a deity is of the heart and m mm, which is which corresponds to uh, the destro- uh, destructive aspect of creation shiva uh, which corresponds to shiva is at the pit of the throat so all of these centers have beautiful stories that correspond these sounds with these all these deities and these three primal functions are are seen in every aspect of creation 
from a rock, from an inanimate object, from a blade of grass to a tree or a human being or any other aspect of creation. There is birth, there is life, and there is dissolution. The, the, this seems very obvious and very simple at one level. This is like zero, right? It looks mm-hmm. very, it's, it's almost, uh, it, it doesn't need an explain, explanation that everything in the universe has a beginning and a lifespan and, and, and death. But accessing that, that dimension, accessing these, these forces that act within ourselves, there is a creative force, there is a, there is a maintenance, there is a nourishing force, and there is, uh, there's a force of dissolution and destruction and death. So accessing, bringing those into our own capabilities, that is what, uh, that is the possibility, that is the, that is the significance of being born as a human being, that all of these forces, which at one level seem to be running our lives unconsciously, mm-hmm. can be taken charge of. So the chant of the Pranava Shabda, which is A, O, and E. There is an entire system of yoga, which is just Nada Yoga, which involve, which, uh, which uh, utilizes these three sounds in different ways to ra- raise that energy once again and bring those uh, forces of, of nature, which, uh, which gave birth to human creation in this way that we are able to take hold of them take charge of them and make make them work for our well-being so yeah and so, I, I was listening to one of the speeches of Sadhguru and he was saying mm-hmm. that this A, U and Ma these are mm-hmm. three sounds which can be said without the movement of our tongue you know yeah. A, U, mm, yeah. that is something and yeah and even if you take an organization, you know, you mm-hmm. still have to create, you have to maintain, and you have to, Every okay, the word destroy, we can also call it, you need to innovate and update a, and make it better. No, there is a, it come, everything comes with an expiry. You have exactly. To, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can build whatever organization or whatever thing and in, in an, with an intention to last forever, but nothing lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And it's not something dark. It is the nature of it is the way things are in exactly they say one sun has to die one day exactly (laughs) exactly so there's nothing really negative about Mm -hmm. death or destruction is as as natural thing so everything that has born comes with an expiry date right then Mm -hmm. nothing is permanent so some this is a very i think uh, a western idea that you know death is something that has to be avoided Mm-hmm. You know, that is that the the end all of, of existence. We have never looked at it like that. Death is yeah one more aspect of life, and we handle it the way we handle life on a day to day basis. So yeah, I mean there is destruction uh, to every aspect. Exactly. I mean in uh, in channel dies. There's nothing. We have to is, come in terms with more, that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And handle it as gracefully as we can because mm-hmm. mortality. So. Sadhguru, because you mentioned Sadhguru, there is this chant that he does at the beginning of many of his uh, talks. Jananam Sukhadam Maranam Karunam. I don't know if you heard of it, but the, the, the word Maranam Karunam is uh, mortality is compassion. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you just went on forever. So this is some this is a concept which not many people get and, and uh, maybe it, you know, uh, it might uh, tick people the wrong way if it's not understood in the right context uh, 
but uh, mortality is compassion. You know, in one of our stories, uh, Ashwatthama has been cursed. The, the worst kind of curse that somebody can give you is you will outlive all your progeny. You will just see all, all of your generations, future generations die, mm-hmm. but you just live on in that suffering. That is the ultimate suffering. Can you imagine? Somebody curses, Krishna curses Ashwatthama that you will live on and, mm. and live torturously. So mortality is compassion and it's, it's, it's another aspect of life as we look at it. Yeah. I mean, so I can I, so relate with that. Uh, in Ayurveda, it's like in Shushruta Samhita, the etymology for the word Sharira. You know, that which keeps dying every moment. (laughs) Exactly. And if you look at that, what it means is a living body is alive because it is constantly dying. I mean, and a dead body stops dying completely. So if you are alive, you are constantly dying. That's what it means. (laughs) How how deeper can, how, how how more realistic can you get? Right? You're not living in some sort of dilemma or a delusion mm-hmm. that you know uh, that you're not you're not straight with life you just accept life for all the, all the possibility that it has to offer just be conscious of of the limited time you have on earth because exactly. it, it is limited at the end of the day whatever we do we are as Sadhguru again puts it we are running straight to the grave exactly <laughs> <laughs> so we have it's, it's good to be conscious and be to con- be conscious of the opportunity that life has given us out of its enormous compassion that this limited time frame where we can experience it as an individual mm-hmm. and, and do and, and take charge. So the, one more story from, from the uh, scriptures is whenever these gods or whenever all these non-human beings, Kinaras, Yakshas, or all the Nagas, they want to work on themselves, they want to get something, they want to do, they want to gain an attainment, they take birth on earth. Because this is where you have that possibility to take charge of every aspect of creation. Mm-hmm. That possibility of being born as a human being. That is why we are at the peak of evolution. Not because we can you know, <laughs> exploit the planet like crazy. But because we, we are born with that potential to do what we want to do. We can. Again, as Sadhguru says, we have borrowed heavily from Sadhguru today. Uh, well, he's a legend. You know, he is one of the geniuses in our generation yeah. who's uh, my, guiding my, us. My, yeah, I have not specifically <laughs> mentioned this, but yeah, I, I the, all the yoga, all the all the knowledge that I from from the practices of Isha Yoga that is. So, human being, right? That there's a possibility of being. You can be whatever you want to be, and and reach whatever level you want to go. And that works both ways. You can be, you can live like, like as a deva or an asura. As mm-hmm. Gita says, the both the possibilities are within you. So when I said uh, these sounds help you raise your energy levels, so that is what uh, that elevation is not you know some some sort of a moral high ground, mm-hmm. but rather an internal elevation of energy that you uh, you experience within yourself, which you work within yourself, so that you take charge of these uh, human faculties and capabilities that we are born with. I see. And uh, Uday, in all the chants that you have, you know, learned and performed, uh, you know, we talk about a guru mantra, like a guru is giving you a special mantra. So mm-hmm. could you talk about the significance behind that? Okay. 
uh, yeah so that is what i can do i can talk about it <laughs> i can't i mean that's something that everyone it yeah. is getting it's a, it's a very confidential and something that is very personal but hmm. what is the you know the, is, yeah. the the scientific or the logic behind that yeah so uh, like it's it's once i I'd say it, it becomes very very obvious and very mm-hmm. uh, you know they right there and that goes with everything else so these are sounds so we are working with sounds and trying to make those sounds work from within mm-hmm. we are directing these sounds inwards so when so there are two ways of doing the, the as we start some chant there is always this process of chanting something outwards when you mm. learn it from a guru you chant it out even the mantras which which are you know just given in your ear given in confidentiality you utter it out so that there are no mistakes there are no corrections and if there are any corrections that can be done right there but once they are given once you start doing them the objective is to internalize them mm-hmm. because there are again there is they can work within yourself uh, there is input and there is output so whenever you're doing it out aloud you are sending those sounds outwards this is very the, the analogy given this is again this is not my, what i'm saying this is the analogy that as it was given to me that it, whatever is being given to you is like a seed mm-hmm. that is why it is called as a bija mantra right? the the your your responsibility is to work on it constantly nourish it and make it grow within yourself so if you want if you want it to grow and and find fruit within yourself you don't pluck the sapling every single day and look at the root saying okay has it grown okay has it grown you just let it you know take its time you you protect it you nourish it and then once it grows if once it bears fruit you can freely distribute it to as many people as you want but your response as soon as a mantra that a mananath trayate iti mantra that which delivers results upon repeated chant is a mantra so unless you reach that level of result within yourself you don't utter it out you don't give it to other people because the first you have to have your plate full before you can, exactly. can serve other people so you charity begins at is, home <laughs> yeah yeah so if you have to that that is the first responsibility with i mean there are beautiful stories of sages and uh, who have gone on to temple tops to shout the mantra to greet everybody and all that but the first responsibility is that you grow and then offer it then so become others, capable yes. to offer it to other people so that is the reason and this has taken all sorts of forms in the society that you know, and it, it is actually good <laughs> to have that sense of um, i don't want to call it call fear good but many people keep it protected follow that rule mm-hmm. strictly if they have that sense of fear that something bad will happen mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that fear is inculcated uh, that that keeps that works uh, you know that that trick does the job better than mm-hmm. giving them a rational that guys you have to work on yourself before giving it to others then they'll be like ha huh, fine i don't want that much but you <laughs> inculcate that sense of fear it's like almost handling a child mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the bad man will get you or something do that fear un- unfortunately uh, no in one way it is to, also a way of it to discipline exactly yeah and i see that you did a lot of uh, episodes on gayatri mantra i mean mm-hmm. i mean this is considered a very powerful mantra 
Yeah. I mean, you will see, even if you go to Spotify or iTunes, you'll have uh, Gayatri Mantra with great uh, disco tunes also today. Really? <laughs> okay. wow. uh, but, uh, but I mean, that's to the other extent people chanted it that way. Yeah. But can you talk about the significance of this Gayatri Mantra? And I mean, people say that it is also a way you connect with sun god, nature, and it is bringing clarity. Now, the word Gayatri, you know, how is it? called why is it called gayatri i mean and so, it's a sun god's mantra and what is the significance mm. of the word gayatri yeah so there are uh-huh, there are two words that we have to uh, for, there are two words that we look at there is gayatri and savitru hmm. in the in the gayatri mantra itself there is the word savitru varenya savit yes so sa, the word so let's look at gayatri the word gayatri first why it is called gayatri the word three is you know all of it the, uh, the alpha numerical three, number three. yes yeah, exactly it's something common in all languages so the three lines gayanam gayan geetam or gayanam is chant chant singing. yes so it's in three lines it's a 24 syllable mantra uh, which is 888 into 3 24 so it has 24 such bija mantras in 8 plus 8 plus 8 pattern so that is why gayatri chanted mm-hmm. is gayatri so that is uh, very straightforward the word savitru which comes in the gayatri mantra savitru varenyam so sa, the savita or sa, savitru literally means the source of creation the one mm. who gives birth uh, i think uh, uh, this this word is also used very commonly in multiple indian languages i don't know if it's in malayalam it's in telugu uh, i know that this word savit um, savitru means mother or mm-hmm. foster mother like savitri is a very birth. common name also exactly so savitri literally means the one who gives birth mm-hmm. in that sense so one one uh, thing about sanskrit words is they can be interpreted to mean different things Yeah, it's so, like a lego i always like to call it as a lego you can form it in different ways and interpret it in different yeah, way too yeah but the because the the uh, the meaning is at the level of sound and how you interpret the meaning that is contained within the sound denotes different things so there yeah. are 100 mm-hmm. different words that denote a lotus there are 100 different words that you know one word can be uh, one word can be interpreted to mean two three different things based on what is being mm-hmm. referred to um so savitri as i said is a source of something the one something that gives birth so in that sense it refers to the sun deity because the sun deity is the source of life as we know it on this planet it is the one who causes life mm-hmm. from the photosynthesis exactly energy goes all life on earth if there is no sun there is no life mm-hmm. as, as simple as that uh, of course there is no uh, light from the moon and everything is we think only few things are solar powered but everything is on our skin is actually a solar panel <laughs> there is no yeah every all power comes from the sun so in that sense the sun being the originator of everything as the as life that we know he is referred to as savit savitru devata or savitri it's also called as savitri mantra the mantra that cor- that corresponds to the source of creation it also refers to brahma mm-hmm. who is referred to again as a source of creation so one from whom the even the sun god himself came from so that that creative aspect of existence so the the mantra itself uh, 
seeks and uh, you know seeks upliftment again uh, you know to to uh, so that our dhia or our, our our minds can be propelled forward from uh, from inertia to uh, higher states of energy so bhuhu bhuvah swah in that that sequence from some from from ground level which is bhuhu from from the basic level that we are we are in the mantra is intended to 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 raise us upwards uh to subtler levels of being and it uh, seeks the bharga or the brilliance or the radiance of the savit savitra devata mm-hmm. or, the, or the it's like chanting the glory of, of the sun yeah the yeah sun or the source of creation it it seeks the brilliance of the source of creation that we be propelled forwards from the basic state of existence to a more subtler to a more to a higher level of living and this has been realized again uh, by uh, vishwamitra sage vishwamitra uh, and that is why his name came as vishwamitra is the is a friend to uh, friend of the universe because he gave he realized this mantra he said he realized that this is the sequence of sounds that will enable us in moving forward in this direction so i think all the spiritual works or even to great extent all the religious teachings it's all about coming out of that inertia and to finding your highest self absolutely and it could be pranayama it could be chanting it could be a lot of sadhanas or it could also be going to pilgrimage going to the energy centers exactly the the, the thing is right there going to mm-hmm. the energy centers you so uh, you so this is very uh, very uh, yeah you you are right there there's nothing more i can add about it, it mm-hmm. is all, all of these practices visiting temples or doing the yagna or, or doing pranayama or dhyana or, or bhakti all of them are different paths to empower us from within so mm-hmm. that we transition from a lower state of existence to a higher state of existence once again lower and higher not in terms of a moral moral high ground no it's about mm-hmm. raising your vibrations in such a way that yes. you are able to perform at your best self yes from moving from gross to subtle exactly gross mean yeah something rigid something uh something uh, very basic Mm-hmm. to a subtler state of existence subtler. where you where you are perceptive where you are where you uh, where you are one with the life around you mm-hmm. so that that is the intention of all aspects of sadhana that irrespective of the path irrespective of the deity of worship irrespective of is it tantric or is it you know the uh, is it the aghori sadhana or is it mm-hmm. something very sattvic Uh, that it's it's you know you do it in your own puja room you do it with devotion or you do it with, you know uh, as karma yoga all these the objective of all of them is to move from asat to sattva and tamas to jyoti and mrityu to amrita which that's a very profound mantra you know we chant this before yeah. we start a treatment yeah and and one more thing uday you know there is this i don't know if you have it in telugu the same uh, statement in kerala we have the statement and if i translate it what cannot be treated with a yantra has to be treated with a mantra 
Okay. Uh, I mean, what they're trying to say is mantra is more powerful and subtle that it is subtle able to true. overcome even yeah. that is considered to be incurable. That's the yeah. power of penetrate, what mantra, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, will, it will definitely penetrate that which the scalpel cannot. <laughs> exactly. That's that's yeah. what it is saying. Uh, yeah. Exactly uh, because uh, it is an ethereal energy. You know, it can it the 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 power it can reach out to even a molecular level is much higher. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always say in my lectures, uh, chanting of mantras, it is like the pacemaker. You know, when somebody is having a weak heart, when the heart rate goes down, pacemaker mm-hmm. tries to bring that energy back up. Mm-hmm. And it's like a subtle vibration that the pacemaker is doing to the heart. Okay. And I think the same way when we chant the mantras, we are raising a particular kind of energy in different aspects of our body. It could be different mm-hmm. uh, chakras in our body. And that is mm-hmm. helping us to come out of it. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know how a pacemaker works, but uh, that definitely is what the intention of a mantra mm-hmm. that it energizes you from within. It works on the on the uh, energy level of the body, uh, which is the pranamaya kosha. Yes. Uh, and there is it's there are these different uh, so body is uh, seen as the five uh, koshas and five different uh, levels of existence. There is the physical body that we know as as you know, our limbs and our from from head to toe the physical body. Which is a consequence of the food that we have. We Annamaya kosha. Annamaya kosha. Which is the most physical. For this, if there is an ailment, you have to work on this. The, the, the only tool to access this is our physical tools. Because this is a physical, and the physical plane. And then above this, there are multiple other levels, subtler levels of, of body. The next one being the manomaya kosha, which still people understand them and relate with. Because these are the thoughts and emotions. People think they are two different things, but still, it's manas or you know, it's the it's the uh, mental projections that that mm-hmm. we have, uh, which at a subtler level compared to other. To work on this, the the things that we do at a mental level are uh, might be one level subtler than physical, but still they are seen as you know so not something too uh, beyond the physical thing. They are just one level above. And beyond this, there is uh, pranamaya kosha, which is our breath and the energy that flows through the body, which animates everything from within, which is the switch, which is the power, which is the energy, which is the electricity that powers this, this circuit. Um, the pranamaya kosha, which, uh, which is where the chakras and you know, the, the, that is what uh, the, the breath that we take in that gathers at different junctions of our body and is redistributed to across these pathways called as nadis. You being Ayurveda, you might know these pathways and you might have heard about these nadis much more. So all these 72,000 fine, like the most, and they go, they branch down into even millions, but uh, the the way they keep branching and branching and branching out, the way, the level of detail to which these are described, it definitely cannot be fiction. Exactly. It's such a uh, systematic exploration it's just that because these are beyond the scope of, our, of the instruments that we have right now in our laboratory, modern laboratory, which are still trying to work at, at the physical uh, symptoms and the body level, physical body, kosha, and right now are stepping into the zone of mental illnesses and just now handling... They're just scratching the surface kosha. of that, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> kosha, they think, is the pinnacle of today's thing, today's 
modern healthcare that oh my god so far we have just been looking at physical ailments now there are mental ailments exactly but there are pranic ailments there are which which have been which which is which is the first thing that a, 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 a holistic approaches yeah would look at what is the root cause that is creating this problem you you fell down you broke your ankle of course you need to work on your thing but something deeper than that exists there are there are sources there is a source which is powering all this up there is the pranamaya kosha and beyond that there is uh, vijnanamaya kosha and beyond that the anandamaya kosha which is free from all afflictions and ailments the objective is to the the uh, the uh, the entire effort the pursuit of rising above you know raising your energies to subtler and subtler uh, dimensions of living is to stay, is to bring that anandamaya kosha into our experience mm-hmm. so right now we all can identify with anandamaya kosha and manomaya kosha with a little bit of pranamaya kosha, kosha it is very easy with it doesn't take years and years of sadhana within a couple of months of dedicated sadhana the pranamaya kosha will come into people's experience once that is there in people's experience it's you don't have to convince them again saying there are more subtler dimensions to pursue so it it becomes you know it's like a person has found a map mm-hmm. a reliable map and has gone forward to a certain extent now he has the uh, he has the credibility has the confidence in the map and he'll go all the way so that is the objective of all these practices and sadhanas that are devised by many schools of yoga which have which have been passed through the um, the treatments of of, of charak samhita shushkuta samhita ashtanga the recommendations that are present they enable a, a, a human being to to be to live in that state to keep the anamaya kosha and manomaya kosha at, at a certain level of vibrance and free from diseases only when the anamaya kosha and manomaya kosha are, are considerably are, are reasonably settled and are at a certain level of vibrance that one can go beyond and experience the other uh, subtler layers it's mm-hmm. like climbing a ladder only if the first two steps are strong enough you, you can are, climb you can go up exactly that. you have the confidence to climb up and experience subtler dimensions you, your head is paining or your back is paining or you have you know you mentally you are not very uh, stable now people if if you go to tell them about you know subtler dimensions of being <laughs> <laughs> go get it <laughs> then there's no yeah they say heal my back first so that's what they say yeah spirituality so, doesn't work in a hungry body you know you have to exactly meet your needs yeah, first yes yeah it's inhuman to even attempt it but it, it definitely you know is the focus of of our holistic healing approaches from the uh, in this tradition that uh the objective is always to realize the potential of being born as a human being mm-hmm. that you have to to just because it, it it is not that because you know uh, somebody says it or somebody gives it as as a prescription that uh, you have to go do these higher explorations it is an innate need within a human being once it, once we are born as human beings to explore and, and to to just be beyond what we are right now so it doesn't matter what field of life we are in we just want to progress like that that need that desire innate desire to progress forward the way to progress forward has taken all sorts of manifestations these days they, uh, there's you know, material uh, gathering and just just growing in, in terms of wealth or knowledge 
or you know societal power has has that that zeal <laughs> with which we are approaching it as like never before but it can only be satiated by realizing the true extent of of how how large we can our existence can be mm-hmm. and that is the objective of all these sadhanas the mantra sadhana all these systems of knowledge are geared towards giving a human being that experience fantastic i think the more we get into this it's like it's like a pandora's box you know like they say <laughs> what is known is only a drop the unknown is an ocean that's yeah. where and uh, recently i interviewed a neurologist called dr kulreet chaudhary and she has written a book on sound medicine mm-hmm. and she was saying one of the reasons why modern medicine is so stuck is because they are stuck with the annamaya kosha Mm-hmm. they're not able to go beyond that and in fact if you see most of the diseases that men- that are mentioned in their textbooks 80% of them are idiopathic in nature which means they don't have a cause okay 80% I, i mean if you see all the five koshas mm-hmm. annamaya kosha is only 20% of our body mm-hmm. and 80% of the diseases are diseases of unknown origin because they just missed that bus they didn't mm-hmm. go beyond that aspect okay so that was mm-hmm. that was able to so that is the word for it is it idiopathic, idiopathic what does that means, even mean i don't i don't know okay uh, idiopathic means you do not know what is the cause of the disease okay <laughs> uh, there are 80% of the diseases mentioned do not know mm-hmm. what are what is the cause i mean if you do not know what is the cause you cannot really treat it's as good what as going treating? to a casino the symptoms exactly yeah, it's like yeah some you know there's some symptom going off somewhere and you Yeah. And the symptom. Exactly. <laughs> I think you have cured the cured the disease. I think the mantras are the way to go beyond your annamaya kosha and to reach that. Up, of course, provided your body is stable, and that's what Ayurveda yeah, and yoga are helping. Plan. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much, Uday. It was really insightful and enlightening, and uh, I definitely will put up uh, all the details in the show notes so people can come up and listen to your channel. I really recommend your channel this is one of the most watched channels for me I always use it as my reference point to learn about many of the mantras and how what it means and how it is to be pronounced in the right way yeah I really respect that, is, the work yeah. that you do thank you so much I'll take this opportunity to again emphasize yes. on uttering these sounds right mm-hmm. because even a small addition of a where it's not supposed to can negate the meaning completely exactly so, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's very very important to utter these sounds right so that is why in the in the whenever somebody approaches because th- this is the uh, this is the zeal somebody who knows that th- there is something valuable here want to immediately approach me asking uh, okay I, i now have to read the vedas or the upanishads teach me how do i get there i say take the first step <laughs> you have to get the sounds right so you have to make sure that whatever you are uttering there are, there are no doshas there there are no uh, you know that, that there is shuddhi there is that there is you have to work on sounds so there is vak shuddhi first which means there is perfection of pronunciation and utterance so that if you want to take uh, uh, you know progressive steps forward then you are confident that you're not taking you know you're not faltering in those steps once you are, you have a solid foundation of uttering those sounds right then you because once you take it up and somebody takes it up as regular sadhana with that intensity 
many people don't they just you mm-hmm. know they just look at it they, they listen to it a couple of times and they chant try to chant it and they give up mostly but people who are really you know passionate about it passionate yeah. and, and and does the intense about going forward and using this it is extremely important to get these sounds right before you go forward with these chants or practices and uh, when it comes to the topic of vedas uh, on top of vak shuddhi there is also swara shuddhi and matra shuddhi which is the in, because they are intonations there are these swaras or notes musical notes that there are three different le- uh, musical uh, levels or notes basically that you chant them out and even, and i don't know this by experience i only heard it i only i mean i heard it from somebody else that uh, even changing the swara of of uh, the sound in a vedic chant can change the meaning of it so brahma uttered with you know uh, with um, a lower note starting on a lower note has one meaning and brahma starting on a higher note has a different meaning this is not something that i have explored mu- much but I-, i don't want to doubt it yet mm-hmm. i'm sure <laughs> so it's I, I, like adding I, I, one more zero can make a huge difference in the whole numerics yeah <laughs> so it's it's very important that the foundational step is right as you just mentioned and i, and I wanted to take this opportunity to just yeah, emphasize yeah. on the last good that you mentioned, mentioned it yes that vak shuddhi is of extreme importance uh, before somebody starts taking these chants up as regular practice at the same time i also tell people i mean yes vakshuddhi is important and the right pronunciation makes sure that you know the right vibrations are achieved yeah. at the same time don't be so focused that what if i say it wrong will i miss it you know sometimes mm. let not that be a hurdle to start learning it learn it maybe you might make yeah. some mistakes but when you go with the right yeah. intention you are able to get into that uh, Yeah. right pronunciation much quicker yeah yeah definitely it's it's not it should not be a constraint that will stop people from this exactly <laughs> from the pursuit all together uh but yeah it, there are mistakes i if mm-hmm. i'm doing if i'm recording something if i'm recording aditya today it's not that i have zero mistakes i i have two three mistakes i'm i can as i'm working on this sundarakanda chant mm-hmm. there are five six there are 1500 shlokas or and more Uh, so i can't chant all of them correctly mm-hmm. but it's important to know what should be uttered and it's important to give that attention there but it should def- definitely not hamper you on your process of exactly going for it but yeah and uday you also conduct online sanskrit classes correct um i offer yeah courses right now i have i have not i used to conduct one to one classes but now i don't have the bandwidth to do that with all the content creation for youtube i offer courses on google classroom mm-hmm. which is used by these schools and universities to conduct their classes so okay, every fantastic. weekend i have uh, live stream sessions like this that is why i have all this all of the factions yeah so i i interact with the students of these uh, the batches so they can uh, once they visit your website and youtube channel they will get the access to that yeah, to yeah, enroll yeah. for that so there is there's a very short uh, uh, sh- short url there is bit.ly forward slash sanskrit ethical course Mm-hmm. the registrations there are closed most of the month uh, like uh, batches run every month mm-hmm. but i open registrations at the end of the last week of every month so i get get registrations there and we start a batch on the first of every month okay first week of every month and so it's a monthly uh, ongoing thing so okay. i uh, rec- i 
don't recently i it's been many months since i put up a post since i put up a video on how to learn sanskrit in a systematic way the four steps towards learning sanskrit the first them being uh, first of them or the four steps being vakshuddhi which is uh, the the clarity and perfection of sound the second one being uh, being bhasha prayoga or uh, or uh, practice of language conversatory language that you once you have that clarity of sound you start using the language you start relishing the language for what it mm-hmm. is used in your daily life uh, and for this uh, i wanted to use uh, panchatantra stories so that there are also there is a little bit of subhashitas and there is a, there are uh, you know these panchatantra is of course it is a text on um, uh, politics and 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 techniques of leading a successful life Mm-hmm. the worldly arena uh, so that using that i can i have a plan of connecting bhasha prayoga after that there is kavya parichayaha which is where uh, we go into these uh, literary literary texts of kalidasa and this uh, shastras beat in natya or ayurveda or jyotisha or vastu or shilpa or any other uh, text of literary literary complexity Mm-hmm. Uh, so kavya parichaya is the third step there and after this is the step called as nigamagamam mm-hmm. which talks about uh, where we explore uh, upanishads and the vedas mm-hmm. um, because it needs an understanding of all these shastras and it needs a holistic view before we go into uh, upanishad upanishads and vedas we need to understand the context in which these uh, these systems of knowledge are taught because these are these are spiritual in nature these encompass all all walks of life so these four steps are uh, what i i uh, came up with as as uh, a sequence in which one can progress with their sanskrit learning the first step in that in that pursuit which is called as vakshuddhi is now being offered as a course okay thank you so much ujray and uh, thank you thank you for it was really a honor to have you and share such yeah, beautiful friend. wisdom and have a beautiful day thank you so much thank you thank you so much thank you namaskar thank you for listening to ayurvedic healing and beyond if you loved and enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe share and review us this helps to spread our mission of guiding humanity to becoming their healthiest self and also giving the right resources for holistic healing If you wish to know more about my work please do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com and if you are interested in doing an ayurveda treatment or authentic panchakarma therapy please log on to www.sitaramretreat.com